Master Vazul, baby. Come on in. Welcome to the Amityville Retrospective, where we take a look at every movie in the 30-plus film franchise that is the Amityville Horror. I am your host, Ryan, reading off of cue cards, because this is the first episode. And with me tonight, on this journey, is my lovely co-host, Nicole. Nicole, how you doing? I'm good, good. How are you? I'm doing great. It's been busy, but I'm happy to be doing this. I'm excited to be doing this, and I'm happy that you're here with me. I am very excited, too. Nicole has joined us on an exciting night as we are discussing the movie that started the whole reason this retrospective exists, the Amityville Horror. Soon after they moved in, it began. George and Kathy's bedroom. The eyes at the window. The sewing room. So many flies. Starts Friday, everywhere. Released in 1979, directed by Stuart Rosenberg of Cool Hand Luke fame. It stars James Brolin, Margot Kidder, and Rob Steiger. Amityville tells the story of the Lutz family and the 28 days of minor inconveniences they dealt with that led to them abandoning the house they got for a steal. Okay, so I can put the notes away for now. And uh, I figured before we get started on talking about the actual movie, uh, I just figured we'd shoot the shit for a bit, you know, break the ice and just have a quick little discussion since this is a horror movie review show. Um, Nicole, you've been watching anything good? I have actually. I've uh, I've been very deep into Midnight Mass that I have not watched before. Um, I love it. I'm, I'm a big Mike Flanagan fan. I think he's brilliant. Um, and I am loving, loving Midnight Mass. Very creepy. Very good. Heard of, I heard about this show. Um, I'm hit or miss on Mike Flanagan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I absolutely love stuff. Like, I loved Hush. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't mind. What was that first one he did? The Not the... Uh, uh, um, the Haunting of Hill House. That was it. That was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't hate it. Absolutely despised that uh, Dr. Sleep movie. But uh, okay. I've been hearing a lot of great things about this new one. And uh, you're, I guess, added onto that. You're saying it's fantastic. Uh, Midnight Masses, yes. He also did The Fall of the House of Usher. I have not seen that. Which is phenomenal. Oh, wait, did I get them mixed up? Which is the new one? The new one is The Fall of the House of Usher. Oh, okay. Midnight Mass was before that. Oh, I have seen a bit of this one then. This is one of those shows that I really liked and then I just, for some reason, completely stopped watching. Okay, I've been binging. (laughs) Gave up like halfway through episode three, got no good reason for it. I was enjoying every second of it. <laughs> you got to go back to it. <laughs> I got to go back to it. Anything else? Uh, that's about it. I've just been binging that. It's um, 
I, anything Mike Flanagan I turn on, I cannot stop watching. It's fantastic. No, he is definitely a big name in the horror community. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I haven't been I've been running around a lot. Um, I managed to watch Critters. Uh, mm -hmm. That was it's always fun to watch Critters. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of shit. I mean, I fall asleep watching TV. There must have been something I've been watching. <laughs> oh, you know what I did see? Not horror related. Um, I did see that movie uh, Journey to Bethlehem. Uh, I am a sucker for a musical. Like, give me a okay. Moulin Rouge or a Rocky Horror any day of the week. I absolutely I love, love it. it. Journey to Bethlehem is a, uh, it's basically the story of, uh, well, you know, the baby Jesus and Mary and Joseph having the baby in Bethlehem. Um, but it has got like the most bombastic soundtrack I have ever heard in my life. Good. Um, it's like this, it's this mix of rock and pop with like old Bible songs. And I'm not a religious person at all. But this movie was fucking amazing. Good. Uh, I don't know how accurate it was. I can't because uh, I don't know the whole story. But um, all I know is Antonio Banderas is an evil king was something I didn't know I needed in my life. And <laughs> I absolutely am thrilled that it is in it now. <laughs> That's great. If we're going non-horror, I did go to the movies today and see Wonka. So... Yeah, I had to. <laughs> I grew up with the original and I had to see the prequel. <laughs> no, I am curious how this is. Um I see I I didn't hate the Johnny Depp one. I Okay. Anything Wonka I'm kind of down for. The guy's eccentric, he's crazy. Like give me more of the Oompa Loompas. Mm -hmm. Um so how was it? It was good. It was good. I enjoyed it. Um the I did not get his name, but the kid that they that played Wonka um was fantastic. He was absolutely fantastic. Um, I have no idea what his name is. And I say kid, but he's probably like 30. <laughs> okay, I was going to say, I was like, so we deal with an itty bitty Wonka here. <laughs> um, and there's really only one Oompa Loompa in the movie. Um, but it's it's basically about his his start, his what he went through to get his factory built and the people he met and the people who supported him and the people who tried to take him down, you know. Um so yeah, they I mean they bring back Slugworth and yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we finally get a Slugworth origin we, story. We get a Slugworth origin story, yeah. Hundred <laughs> percent on board for that. Yeah, it was good. So good. When you say one Oompa Loompa, do you mean like it was a deep red scenario where they got deep red to play like 50 Oompa Loompas? No. Or is it just one Oompa Loompa? It's one Oompa Loompa played by Hugh Grant. I could see that working. Yeah. So you got anything else before we uh pop into the movie talking period? Nope. Just Mike Flanagan. All right, we'll, <laughs> all right. So we will just dive right in and start talking about the reason we're here tonight. Yes. As I mentioned before, the Amityville Horror was released in 1979 based upon the best-selling novel of the same name, based on the true story of the Lutz family who moved into the famous house on, you'd think I'd write down the address of the home. But uh, they moved there after uh, nobody could buy it because of the DeFeo murders. And uh, it uh, basically picks up right from what I just mentioned. It opens up on a cold, stormy night. And I think you said you've written up a quick little plot synopsis for us so yes. that uh, we don't have to go beat for beat. If you want to give that out right now, that'd be great. Yes. Um, <clears throat> okay. So like you said, the Lutz family, they're recently married. Uh, she has three children. 
and they buy this dream house of theirs in Long Island. And they weren't in there even a month. And the first hint that we get that there's really something wrong with it was when the priest comes to bless the house. He gets violently ill, flies the whole nine yards. And then little things happen and they realize they're dealing with something paranormal. Uh, and after a month of all of these horrible things happening, you know, it comes to a final, you know, showdown, if you will. Um, and they find the source of the evil and they run, they leave everything, leave the house, leave all of their personal belongings and get out. The only thing I can 100% guarantee that happened out of all that was that, that yes, after 28 days, they leave, they did leave all their shit and get out. Yep. <laughs> So diving right in, my first question, um, we we'll figure we'll get this out of the way right now. Do you feel that anything supernatural actually happened to the Lutz family? The real Lutz family? The real Lutz family, not um, not Margot Kidder and James Brolin. I... The real Lutz family. <laughs> I've heard stories. I've heard rumors going both ways. Some say it's true. Some say it isn't. I couldn't tell you. I don't I don't want to say no, they're liars. Um because I do believe in the supernatural and I think it is possible, but I don't want to say yes it did because there's no real proof that mm -hmm. I've seen. So uh, it could go either way. Yeah, cuz the only anything close to proof we've gotten was from uh what's their names there? The uh the people that uh, James Wan makes all that movies about. Oh, yes. Um... <laughs> wow. We are. I'm doing great. I can. Amazing. I'm, I'm so bad with names anymore. It's, I'm getting old. Um, it's, I'm um, usually good with them. I don't know. I'm just uh, probably are, I got first episode jitters. Warrens. What's going on here. The Warrens. Thank the you. The Warrens. Yes. Um, so, yeah, they apparently went to the Amityville house. I remember uh, I have seen the opening to. Uh, the conjuring too so mm -hmm. they did go to the amityville house um they show that creepy picture with that uh that little boy peeking over the corner of the hallway i don't know like that brings up a whole other can of worms though because then you got to ask yourself if you really believe if the warrens aren't just con artists right right i kind of think they are i don't like, know even if you believe in supernatural stuff there's no way that much supernatural stuff happens to you you know what i mean like that's like seeing a ghost is like winning the lottery. There's no way they're seeing a ghost every other day of the week. If she is, well, according to their stories, um, Lorraine Warren did have a certain amount of, I don't even know how to word this, psychic abilities. Okay. Um, she was able to see things and feel things that other people couldn't. According to them, again, mm. if it's true, we don't know. <laughs> but... You know, if she could, then it is possible that, you know, I mean, movies have been made about things like that forever, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so I really don't know. The, the skeptic in me wants to admit this is all just a hoax to mm -hmm. make some money. But that other part of me that since I was three years old that wanted to be a Ghostbuster so hard wants to believe that all this is true and that someday, mm -hmm. despite the fact I'm now 40, I might get to be a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Never so part of me does. Yeah. Part of me does hope that, yes, we do. There are ghosts and <sighs> apparently they just all hang out in Long Island. Apparently. Yeah. But, I, don't know, I mean, I do believe in them. Um, but like you said, like the realist in me, 
wants to say no they're con artists because that's the way the world can be mm -hmm. you know um but then like you said the kid in me wants to say yeah it really yeah. happened you know it's fun to believe right it is it is yeah. and this is a movie i grew up with you know i think i was in grade school the first time i saw it and it, it was terrifying to me well see as someone who doesn't believe in the paranormal it was actually really terrifying to me too because when i saw their toilets backing up with all that septic I was just and like, that black... shit's going to be expensive. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that black, I don't know what it was. Tar. Just tar, evil, concentrated evil. Evil, concentrated evil. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to look at it, yes. Bad night at the bar, I don't know. <laughs> What's uh, yeah. What first talking point did you want to bring up there? Um, Probably the one that, that scared me the most when I was a kid, and that's Jody. The imaginary mm. friend that little Amy Lutz had, you know, um, they wrote it off at her parents wrote it off as an imaginary friend, as most parents would. Mm -hmm. And it, she was not so imaginary. The red eyes in the closet terrified me when I was a kid. Mm. We see them out the window. You know, it's that's when we find out Jody is is not imaginary. Yeah. No, Jody is like single handedly one of the creepiest characters. Of mm -hmm. that late seventies, early eighties, yep. Horror movie era. In a movie, to me, like I, in all honesty, this movie doesn't scare me. But that scene where Margot Kidder comes in, and just as she walks in, you see that rocking chair stop. Yep. yep. It's not even. It's not even on the forefront. It's off to the side. It's not. It's there for the audience to pick up on. Mm -hmm. And you see Jody's eyes when she goes to close that window. That scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. Me too. Me too. That is one of the most effective scenes in it horror is. ever. The babysitter getting locked in the closet. Mm, that's and another they, good one. Yeah, when they question her, like, why didn't you open the door? Jody wouldn't let me. Like, that poor babysitter, like, her knuckles were oh. bloody from banging on the door so much, you know? And because Jody wouldn't let her. Jody wouldn't let her. And that babysitter sells it. Like Margot oh, Kidder, James Brolin, they're in this for the paycheck. You can tell. Yeah. Whoever that actress was that was the babysitter, she mm -hmm. was giving it 110%. Oh, absolutely. She was selling that. Um, is that the only real, like, no, I guess we also have, I was going to say, is that the only, um, not mischief, like outright uh, hostility towards anybody is the, to the babysitter but uh one of the kids also gets it too he gets his fingers smashed in a window there yeah that that's that freaked me out too the first time i saw it when i was little it you know they're playing a trick on on amy who's outside and they're you know hanging the fake spider from the fishing pole and they get in trouble and the kid still has his hand on the windowsill and that window came down and would not go back up <laughs> they tried everything it was just frozen down trapping him yeah, and you had um yeah George Lutz and uh who was that? Was that his brother-in-law? Dude with the vest that looked like uh uh Burke from Aliens. The, the his guy wife he was a psychic. With? Yeah, his, or was that it? The guy he worked with? It was the guy yes, he worked that's with. That's right, yeah. it was the guy he worked with, and his wife was the psychic. Yes, yes. Okay, we're on the same page now. That's yes. right. There was no relation. <laughs> For ghosts that want people to get out. Um they kind of just, like I mentioned, I joked about minor inconveniences, but they're basically giving, um, like, the priests, like, the runs. And, like, 
they steal a thousand dollars for a caterer. Yep. Like yep, the brother-in-law's money. Yep. This isn't uh this isn't terrifying stuff. And really, if you're gonna steal the Lutz's money, that's only gonna keep them in the house more because now they ain't got no money to go out and do stuff. <laughs> they also, I mean, the dog scratching in the basement throughout the whole mm. movie. Oh, to the point where his paws were bleeding. To the yeah. point where his paws were bleeding. Yeah, that was freaky. And and the more subtle things, like the way we see George Lutz changing throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, he comes in, he's a good dad. He's putting Amy to bed when she falls asleep. And, you know, he's doing all this great stuff. And then all of a sudden he starts to look more pale and more tired and his eyes are getting red. And and he's he's a lot more short-tempered than he used to be. And, you know, he's... We we see something trying to take him over. Mm-hmm. No, and um, James Brolin did a good job with that. Oh yeah, um, especially uh, I'd say the midway point where, he, like, he goes full blown full blown crazy by the end. But that middle ground in the middle of the movie where it's kind of like a is he or isn't he kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, and they do get that uh, little bit where they get out of the house, or is that the remake? Shit. Do they get out of the house for a bit in the original? No, I don't think they no. do. Mm-mm. That's the remake. I'm getting just finding any excuse to talk about Ryan Reynolds. Um, <laughs> but we'll save that guy for another night. Um, but yeah, no, I did enjoy that too. The the gradual insanity towards uh, the Lutzes. Uh, we didn't talk about the DeFeos too much, but one of the big things was, and apparently this did happen. There was a guy in the bar uh, that George was at that... Um, commented on it that said George looked exactly like uh was it Ronnie yeah Ronnie DeFeo or Butch DeFeo mm-hmm. the the night that he killed his family I, now I've seen pictures of the real George Lutz and Ronnie DeFeo I don't see a lot of I mean they both had beards and right. the scraggly hair so technically I look like <laughs> Ronnie DeFeo but then we had Margot um, Kidder in the library looking up the old newspaper clippings and she saw a picture of Ronnie DeFeo, and he was John. He was George because um, they used a picture of James Brolin. I think. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I do. No, like I do think like it was another thing. guy, though. I do think it was another guy. Yeah. Um, but they definitely got someone who looked a lot like uh, James Brolin. What's his biggest achievement? He was he married Barbara Streisand. Pretty much. <laughs> good for him. You know he what, was in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. There you go. Pee-wee's Big Adventure, Amityville Horror, Married Barbara Streisand. The man's doing great. But Margot Kidder in this. Because, um, yeah, she had... Uh, and Black Christmas, I think, was 70... That was earlier, yeah. That was 74, I think, yeah. That was, yeah, that was way back. 76. Either way, though. Um, yeah. Early Margot Kidder really breaks my heart. Yeah. Because um, she really was just fantastic. She was. Uh, she's great in this. Uh, I can't. What else? I guess she just kept doing Superman movies, eh? What else did she do? That's all I can remember her from. Hmm. Was this well, I guess, Superman? Yeah. That would mess anybody up. Superman Four: The Quest for Peace was fucking awful. <laughs> uh, um, we do see some signs in the beginning. Uh, from the first day or two that they lived there, George was, and this goes throughout the whole movie, George was complaining about how cold it was. He has the thermostat set at 72, but it feels like it's 32, and he kept messing with the fire, and that's why we see him outside all the time sharpening the axe and chopping wood, and, 
you know, even Margot Kidder says at one point you have enough wood to to heat us for like three years or something like that. And and that I think that was one of the early signs that we knew something was there. Also, there was one point where she was bringing groceries in and unloading them. And she kept talking about a smell. She couldn't figure out where this rotten smell was coming from, thinking it was the groceries she had just brought in. So we do get, you know, some early signs that there is something paranormal in this house. Um, and when her sister, who happens to be a nun, uh, comes over to visit, she's not in the house but five minutes. And she's mm -hmm. running out, saying she can't be here. And she gets sick. So it's, you know... We do see, you know, little things in the beginning. I think it it did run a little long, <laughs> mm -hmm. but, um, you know, they I guess they just had to make those points and, you know, make us believe that there really is something wrong with the house. Yeah. No, and I get it, too, because to be fair, I feel like you're there day one and like, you know, if there's like a Jacob Marley rattling the chains coming down the stairs. You're going to be out of there. Like, you got to yeah. start small. Like, yeah, I'm going to make the house smell like a rotten banana. That'll make yeah. him go, what's going on? You know, you got to build up to the crescendo. I yeah. get it. No, that that's fair. I get it. The ghosts are just taking their time. They're riding this out. Um, they did not do that with the priest, though. When the priest first no. was in the house, he got sick with the flies, and he actually heard the, the famous get out voice. Get out! You know, telling him to leave. And so, yeah, they, they were not so subtle with him. <laughs> No, they weren't subtle with anybody like religious. As soon as, like you said, the priest or the nun yep. came in, it was just immediate diarrhea, like mm -hmm. vomiting in the streets. And mm -hmm. um, actually, to be fair, the priest gets it a lot worse. He goes blind. Yeah. And they almost so, in that car accident. Oh, yeah. The other priest, <laughs> the when they were going to warn them, them. And the car locked up and then the hood flew up and, you know. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, no, he really had it out for that priest. Yeah. Um, but um, that fly scene, Oof. that's another effect of, like, I, I will save that for the ratings. Um, I do have my opinions on this movie, but that fly scene is a very effective scene. Um, it it's a great use of music. It's just a very mm -hmm. subtle build up with a uh, that kind of like that string, that violin string mm -hmm. sound. And uh, I like that they kept the get out to a whisper. Yeah. It's all very subtle and the door just music after he's covered in flies. Like I said, you got all these violins and everything playing and the music just cuts very abruptly. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't fade out. It just cuts and the door just opens on its own. And that's when you get that first whisper of the get out. You get that music building up again, and then he all it almost sounds like he's yelling it, but it's again, it's just a whisper of the get out. Super effective. Very all the music was very effective in this. Because it was all like you said, like the violins and the high pitched, you know, mm -hmm. you know, very, very insidious. Like um mm -hmm. I thought the music was great in every scene. I think they did it perfectly. And I the uh, the opening music. It's such a perfect example of like with the um, 
with the the choir singing and everything. Mm -hmm. uh, it manages to simultaneously give a feeling of peace, but tension at the same time. You don't know how to feel about that music. Yeah, uh, definitely. That's a perfect works way really to describe well. it too. One other very interesting and really scary scene was uh, when Margot Kidder had the nightmare about what had happened in that house. And she just woke up screaming, he shot them in the head or forgive me. I'm paraphrasing, <laughs> but basically, yeah, she, you know, he shot them in the head and we do get flashbacks. Um, so if anybody has an issue watching kids getting hurt, I would say just close your eyes because they do show mm -hmm. the kids getting shot. Um, but that was really terrifying that, you know, something that she knew nothing about really. And, and she's just waking up from nightmares and everything happens at three 15 AM. On the dot. On the dot. 3.15 a.m. is when everything starts to happen. Classic 70s alarm clocks where the yes. numbers kind of flip. They flip, Each yeah. one, they roll, they roll over. They, yeah. they hadn't figured out digital yet. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, um, that other dream that Margot Kidder has too, uh, where she comes into Amy's bedroom. Yes. George is standing over a bloodied Amy holding the axe. Yes. That's fucking nuts that's terrifying they terrifying. zoomed in on a dead kid that had been chopped up as a mom i mean like that is that's that's the worst nightmare you can think of and then it cuts uh then it ends with that quick cut of george the axe hitting her head and you do her. get that initial spray of blood yes um yes. the practical effects like they're used very this isn't an effects heavy film no but the the few effects that they do have really sell it. Um, oh yeah, like the the fingers in the window. Mm -hmm. uh, Jody, when you finally see Jody floating in the uh, in the when George is coming back to the house to get the dog at the end, and you see Jody yes. in the window. Yeah, it's you, it's it's a little silly. It's a pig that's just yeah. floating in the window. <laughs> you know what? It's still it's got the red eyes. It still works, but it's a little silly. It's a floating pig. Um, yes. <laughs> but yeah, like that scene uh, and the opening murders, like the getting shot mm -hmm. in the bed, the squid work with the, you know, the bullets going off in the backs. Effective stuff. Um, very powerful. Yes. Uh, the bleeding especially walls for, and stairs. I keep forgetting how violent this movie actually is, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, no, solidly effective. I gotta be. I came into this like feeling like I was gonna be rating it low <laughs> after talking with you about it for the last half hour. Kind of like, shit, is this movie maybe a lot better? Than I for? <laughs> I'm trying to think of like the stuff I hate, and I gotta be honest, this discussion is, <laughs> um, yeah, goddamn. My so, rating actually went lower rewatching it again today. So I'm feeling like we're, uh, we basically talked about what all we want to talk about. I think we're ready to rate this uh, movie here. The first of what's going to be too many. <laughs> um, so I'll go ahead and let you start, Nicole. Um, out of 10, what do you give the Amityville horror? Okay. Um, well, with the rating system I have, I have six basic points that I rate from zero to 10. And then I just do the average. Uh, for the original Amityville Horror, I have 7.8. 7.8. Mm -hmm. So you said you have six points out of 10. Can you please explain to me what these six points are? <laughs> yes. Uh, story, <laughs> cast, effects, acting, the opening, and the ending. 
Um, and that's just personal for me because I need, and this is something I did love about this movie. The opening sucked you in right away. It was violent. It was, you know, the first five minutes you've got people getting shot and, you know, it keeps me there. Um, an ending, I, I don't like happy endings. <laughs> so I do like things to be a little grim. Um, and I did consider this a, a grim ending, you know, um, Considering they filed for bankruptcy, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. it's pretty grim. I mean, the fact they lost everything, you know, and almost did not get the dog. Thankfully, they did. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, that's that's my rating, 7.8 for... 7.8 out of 10. That's good. And I appreciate that you have a whole system <laughs> behind your 10-point rating, because I'm going to tell you right now, I ain't got no system. <laughs> uh, it's just based on how I feel. Um, I came into this, which is funny, actually, that you gave it a 6.8. I came into this expecting to give it a 4 or a 5. Okay. Um, after rewatching it and thinking, huh, that was better than I thought, and then having this discussion with you, I'm giving it a 6.5. Wow. So, yeah, I'm actually very surprised about this because I led a good chunk of my life not loving this movie. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, 6.5, it's still not a love. But that's well above average. That's a, what is that? That's like a C plus. It's a B minus. Yeah. That's good stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, everything, like you said, like Margot Kidder, James Brolin. Uh, what is it? Rob, Rob or Rod Steiger? Rod Steiger. Rod Steiger. Rod They're Steiger. all fantastic. Rod Steiger's hamming it up a bit, but he's doing a good kind of hamming it up. It works yeah. for the movie. Um, and this was, I think, one of Helen Shaver's first roles. Very early roles. She played the the wife um, who went in the basement and got possessed a little bit. Oh, yeah. The one that Just wasn't like even it. worth us bringing up. Yeah. <laughs> that one. Um, sorry. Helen Schaefer. Why does that name sound? Wait, is uh, that Nurse Ratchet? No, no. no. Um, Tremors 2. She oh, also did yeah, the yeah, Poltergeist yeah. for Legacy series. I don't know about that. But I remember from Tremors 2. Yeah, yeah. Fucking love Tremors 2. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, 6.5 out of 10 for me. Um, it's definitely a lot, like I said, it's a lot gorier than I remember. Mm -hmm. The violence really hits hard in this movie. Like this, if it wasn't okay. for maybe 30 seconds of violence, this could almost be a G-rated movie. Yeah. But those 30 seconds hit real hard. They did. Um, yeah, no, you know what? I can I can understand why they made a few sequels to this. I don't under well, I mean, I do know why we have 30 plus Amityville sequels, and it has nothing to do with the success of this one. No, um, it doesn't. <laughs> but uh yeah, no, I I can uh I can safely say that it is definitely a lot better than I remember. So yeah, we're just about ready to wrap this up, but before we do, we're gonna move on to our plugs, our socials, anything that we're kind of promoting at the moment. Uh Nicole, is there anything you wanna kind of put out there into the world? Um, I'm just I'm gonna I'm gonna plug Mike Flanagan because I think if you yeah. haven't seen any of his stuff, go watch it. His his miniseries are amazing. There you go. Plug for Mike Flanagan. We'll have to plug for uh, Mike Flanagan. We'll have to hashtag him in this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, I'm gonna quickly uh, promote if you uh, like what you heard tonight and you want to hear more of me, uh, please check out the Hormonal Werewolves YouTube show. Uh, it's basically the same thing, except I try to pretend I'm a little more serious. Uh, but other than that, yeah, it's just the same. Um, and I guess we should probably mention 
that if you're listening to this, this is on the uh, Scream Until You Like It podcast network. So please check out uh, Clinton Mike's show as well. Nicole's got her swing. I can't wear that shirt. Yeah, I wear that. My beard hangs out so low. If I wear that shirt, I look like I'm like the guy from Despicable Me. Because I don't have a visible neck. I wanted to wear it, but I can't. Um, but yeah, check out uh, Clinton Mike's reviews. They do a lot of great reviews. Uh, they're mm -hmm. definitely a lot longer than ours. Um, and they managed to keep it entertaining the entire time. Well, that wraps up the first of many episodes of the Amityville Retrospective. I've been your host, Ryan. And I am Nicole. And we want all of you out there to please remember to... Smile, you son of a bitch! <laughs>